So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now with your hosts, Nikki Leach and Richard O'Shields, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I'm Richard O'Shields, and the which the left to my left, my right hand gal. Oh, it's a joke <laughs> for the show. Nikki Norlock, how are you, Nikki? <laughs> I'm having an interesting day. Yeah, we're all having day. interesting times and days and and, and, and things. I feel better. Yeah, I was. Uh, I have to say, hanging out, and this is a, a funny story in alignment with the launch, uh, the relaunch of, um, of Truth, my synchronistic journey. So that's the relaunch date has now been confirmed for June first. Very exciting, and of course, um, our listeners can drop by NikkiNorlock.com to, to sign up for the newsletter and to read a couple of wonderfully gifted people's opinions. Yes. <laughs> I guess you would yes. call it. Um yeah, I've had some I've been really blessed in the last couple of weeks to to have a huge amount of support with the relaunch of the book. So there's a, a couple of reviews up. Um and but funny story about the relaunch of the book. One of the things that we're doing with regards to the relaunch is taking down the original novel. And we're relaunching it as the true story that it is. And uh, it started with you, Richard, when yes. you went to Costa Rica. Your your signed copy of Truth disappeared. It did. Yeah? Went poof. It did. Um, interestingly enough, a few weeks ago, our guest today mentioned to me that he had also lost his copy of Truth. And then, just this afternoon, when I was speaking to our much-loved and respected Ilya Kavukas, one of our correspondents. Um, she gave me that sheepish little, I've been a bad girl look, and said, I'm really embarrassed to say this, but your copy of Truth has disappeared. It was on my shelf, and now it's not there anymore, and I have no idea where it is. So, <laughs> so poof. I don't know. I don't know what George is doing, but... Um, Copies of the original book uh, and another another copy that was here at the house, which was a signed copy um, to to my love, the demon. Um, he he it got it got destroyed by water when um, Jordan Ockram was up visiting. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but uh, apparently copies of Truth are disappearing left, right, and center. So if you have one, you're out there. You have it. Hold on to that because 
Could be a collector's edition. <laughs> George <laughs> it looks doesn't. Like George is just removing them from the planet. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, apparently the copies in your house are all wet. This presenting as fiction <laughs> thing. It's just all right? wet. But, what, um, what are you doing writing a fiction when it's a true story? Absolutely. So um, there you go. Thanks, George. And, and, I hear you loud and clear. And that's part of the <laughs> part of the relaunch. We'll just say, what are you doing writing this fiction? Because lots of things will be different about it. Um, yes. But yes. Most of it will be will be the same, of course, because it's a fantastic read. It really is. And uh, oh, absolutely. The original story is not going to change at all. Uh, there's just going to be. Um, several additional chapters in the book that will explain a lot that has happened since the initial trip to the Philippines the beginning and, and of include the journey. some of the things that I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, very exciting. Kind of, I find it interesting too, because the movie that you worked on at a very similar time to writing the book in the Philippines yes. Yes. is now going to be, f- finished but along with that yes. the filmmakers already been to the philippines once to to be getting updates from folks so that it'll yes. be updates on what's happened since the journey began and yes totally disconnected relaunch of the book gonna have updates of what's happened since the journey began yes new yes. revised and it's, edition it's, for the film really and um, it's, it's all been done independently and this is this is the really crazy thing because the the, the team behind the relaunch of the book has no awareness of of the team that that is working on the film. Yeah, there was no they've never even heard of each other. Pollination, <laughs> communication, you know. No, no, there's there's none of that. So, as the, um, as you know, the again, stage hypnotist would say, "Have I ever met you before tonight? No, no. Okay, <laughs> nothing up my sleeve. <clears throat> oh well, George is over here on my shoulder." It's it's all about that that synchromysticism that we're going to be talking about in in the book. Um, during the relaunch, so so again, you know, drop by NikkiNorlock.com, sign up for for the letter. The you guys have been the mailing list. Signing up, and there's a mailing list. Sign up there, and a countdown clock for the launch. Yes, there's a clock. every stellar launching like a rocket into the stratosphere of literary greatness should have a countdown. You know, absolutely. Fine. We're going to get up the night that it's you know June first. You're going to watch that. Mostly because once it gets to zero, I'm going to have to change it. But um, <laughs> that's what I, I – I may be slap happy today. I stayed up and watched the eclipse last night. I, I didn't wait for, the, for it to get over, but I did watch, you know, the moon get swallowed and turn blood red. And very, very nice. I bet it was beautiful. I did not. I, well, I, I can't, went, I I can't blame you. I really <laughs> – I was getting ready to go to bed. And then somebody posted, you know, live, and I was like, oh. And there was the moon right out here outside my patio having a little bite taken out of it. And I was like, well, it won't be long. Of course, it turned out into an hour and a half. But, hey, who needs sleep? We'll sleep some other day or time Absolutely. or afternoon. So, so, we should so our guest, bring our guest is to, a return guest. Yes. And he would know all about the excitement of, of book launching because he just launched his second and that's exciting. I've heard that it's an absolutely amazing read. I'm not surprised. The first one was fantastic. I've now read it three times and have integrated many of the practices in it into my daily routine. 
Um, I really believe that some of the things that he teaches in the first book are are responsible for some of the the massive growth and expansion that has happened in my own personal journey over the last year. And I can't wait to get my hands on this second book. I'm really hoping that I'll get signed a sent a signed copy. No, (laughs) hint, hint. George is just throwing signed copies of books all over the globe. Oh, wait, just that one. <laughs> just that one. Um, but, yeah, so we're really excited to have him back because he's one of our favorite Absolutely. guests and it's certainly a dear, dear friend to me personally and to Everyday Connection. Yes, absolutely. We have with us uh, David Cole. who's going to have a title and all kind of things and an author and an explorer guide or former explorer guide or... Well, if you're an explorer guide, then you're a former... Oh, for heaven's sakes. David Cole, welcome, David. How are you doing? Hi, Rick. Hi, Nicky. Good to see you. Uh, good to hear you. Be with you. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. I'm all yeah. right. Yeah. Lovely. Thank, thanks for uh, carving out some time for us so we can have a tra- transatlantic uh, call. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, inviting me back. Good to be with you again. Uh, that's lovely. So um, I, I, I suppose we should uh, we should get right to it. Um, I know that uh, if Nikki were here, went come back here. <laughs> that if Nikki were here, she would ask you something like, "So, David, I ask you the big question because you've been with us before. Um, so, tell us, David, who are who on earth are you now, and what are you up to these days?" <laughs> yeah, well, great. Who on earth am I now? That's a, it's always a difficult question, isn't it? Because you're always someone different to uh, who you were last time you asked and who you might be again. So, yeah, so I am still uh, Explorer Guide. That's the title I have uh, for the uh, the role that I play with the community of Aiden and Hilda, which is a, a globally dispersed Celtic Christian community. Uh, and uh, the community members live by a way of life uh, and... Uh, the uh, explorers are the kind of the first step into that that, that commitment. So uh, my role is to to help and be a guide to try and uh, create the way of life for each person, or for each person to create the way of life uh, as an expression, a life-giving expression of themselves. So that, that's kind of my role in there. But as you've already said, I, I also uh, have a couple of books out, both of them on uh, meditation, on Christ-centered meditation. So um, thank you for the uh, comments about the first book. Um, which was called A Mystic Path of Meditation. And this one's called The Inner Journey, the second book. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing now with myself, uh, leading a lot of retreats and speaking on uh, meditation and uh, running meditation classes and teaching Celtic Christianity and stuff like that. So, that's And, of course, like doing, doing the, uh, the wonderful Celtic Corner for, for your show, uh, the other been, show. We've been enjoying yeah. those. Uh, I, I did want to say, you mentioned in all the... Uh, um, being an explorer guide and that folks that sort of are first exploring the community of Aiden and Hilda are called explorers. I've always thought that was so uh, expressive of the fact that that's sort of what one does when you've got a faith or a path or a, a practice of meditation, anything else, you kind of explore and see if it's right for you. And, uh, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And this is you know, specifically about exploring our uh, the Aiden and Hilda way of life, so... Yeah, just uh, just seeing, but yeah, like you said, the, the whole of that that journey is an exploration. So, yeah, right. 
All right. <laughs> well, and I think with Synchro Mystic, we're talking about Synchro Mystics, and then we had the Mystic Path, and now we're having the inner journey because that's a big part of any mystical path. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can't, uh, you really can't do much along the path of life until you start exploring within, right? I mean, that's kind of your first major step. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that's really what uh, both of my books, you know, really concentrate on. And it's the fact that your, uh, your, your, your journey as a, as a whole uh, is, is really dependent quite a lot on, on that sense of creating the space within yourself to um, uh, allow kind of that divine essence uh, to, to um, give, give us a, a guide on that as well. Give us a a way forward on that. So that, that's really what meditation uh, is in, in, in that sense. It's, it's, a, it's a way of uh, diving to the depths of our, our own souls, our own inner selves, and creating the space to allow the divine to, uh, to guide us on. We're, we're so often knocked out of uh, the flow or, or the, the rhythm of life by... Uh, consumerism, commercialism, busyness of life just in general. Uh, and so having that sense of uh, committedness to, to, to meditation um, allows us to kind of realign ourselves into the, the flow and the rhythm of life and that, that divine aspect that goes along with it. So that's why, that's why I've written my, my two books, really, just to, to kind of give people a couple of guideposts on the way. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful way to put it. Um, and, and very helpful guideposts they are, I have to say, because my understanding of meditation, such as it was, was so scattered until I actually sat down and read your book. Thank you. It's very kind of you. And, and then I kind of had this epiphany of, oh, this isn't scary. This isn't... In, in fact, I discovered reading your book that a lot of the things that you spoke about were things I was already doing. And yeah. Yeah. so it was very easy for me to take that next step. Yeah, and a lot of people find the same thing, you know, whether it's reading my book or, or just discovering meditation another way. And actually, you do do, in general life, a, a quite a, a good deal of meditation, uh, whether it's just kind of gazing out the window and, and uh, losing that sense of conscious thought because you're watching birds or or trees or whatever it is that you're watching, uh, or, or, or whatever you're doing. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot of it within us already. Um, but there is so much more we can gain from it by making it something deliberate that we do. Uh, like deliberately saying, well, this is my purpose for now. So it's... Uh, looking inwards as well as looking outwards. It's, it's div discovering that, that, that sense of the divine within you and stretching out your awareness so you become of, uh, aware of the divine surrounding you as well. Yeah, it's kind of like we talked about in, uh, I think, the first time we were talking about your first book. That, uh, you know, it's often been said, and maybe not exactly true, but often been said that prayers when you're talking to God and meditations when you're listening. Yeah, um, and, and perhaps just, just being as well, just sitting and being with, with God, just, uh, you know, perhaps not even listening. God's just enjoying being in your company, and you're enjoying being in His too, just Absolutely. dwelling. 
Absolutely. Yeah, abiding. Yeah. And uh, I, the, the second book, The Inner Journey, I, I begin with a quote from uh, Thomas Merton, a 20th century uh, uh, monk and, and solitary, and he says, a man cannot be happy for long uh, unless he is in contact with the springs of spiritual life which are hidden in the depths of his own soul. And, and that's really you know, another, another uh, key to, to, to meditation is, is uh, getting in contact with those springs of spiritual life hidden in the depths of our own souls. Yeah. Well, because we make, it, we make it so difficult a lot of the time. We, we have this weird notion that God is out there <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, where are you? I can't see you. Uh, and, and so this brings us to a point of understanding where we realize that Yes, okay, that's true. God is out there because there's a lot of stuff out there and that's really cool. But God is also in here and it's all connected. So there's no separation really between the two. It just all is. And that that is a very powerful way to live your life. It, it really is. To be able to look at the world, all of it, and and say definitively, yeah, this is all God. It it is. And there's so there's I don't have to have to try and please him. I just have to learn how to live my life in a state of peace and joy. Yeah, and and it's 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 that I I quite frequently uh saying to people in fact a couple of weeks ago I was leading a um, a retreat day uh, and I said it as part of the teaching there it was about um, authentic holiness uh, and uh, I said there and I quite frequently say to people you know stop cause I'm, I'm a Christian teacher teaching Christians stop trying to be a good Christian because actually you'll only ever fail at, at, at that but instead if you spend your time uh, in deepening your awareness of the divine presence within you and surrounding you and allow that to kind of transform you then that's that's really what being in a relationship with the divine being in a relationship with god is is all about uh, and you know the bible tells us jesus said you know this the kingdom of heaven is, is within you as well as giving examples of it being around it's it is it's all interwoven it's all it's all interlinked it's all one thing i think Possibly you may have heard me once or twice say before, you know, everything is spiritual. And <laughs> it, it, it all is. You know, it's, it's all there. Once Absolutely, or twice. And it's, it's once or twice, yeah. I <laughs> 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 to say it sometimes. Sometimes in editing. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it, it's just such a healing message. And that's why we keep having you back. And that's why we are so absolutely thrilled and honored that you, you're willing to you know, partner up with Everyday Connection and offer us the Celtic Corner. That's why we've turned your audio bits into videos. That's why you're featured this big audio bite. Everybody else in our in our intro vid to Everyday Connection has these little snippets here and there. And then David Cole has this big explanation. And that's for a reason, though, because both Richard and I have had that experience where that teaching of having to please or having to fix 
things within myself or within himself in order to align with source, with God, in yeah. order to please God, in order to be, be good, that's essentially a very destructive way to live your life. It's, it's like the quickest way to self-destruction as far as I'm concerned because you're constantly striving to attain that which cannot be attained. This preconceived notion of perfection that is taught, this concept of purity. But what does that all mean? And, and I don't believe that the way it is taught now in many of the churches and the expressions of Christianity is the way it was originally intended. And so it's so important that there's people out there like you who come with a, a very deep understanding of the ancient texts and can translate the meaning behind it for people so that their hearts can finally align with the message. Because that's where, where the break has been, is that there's an inner knowing within all of us that this, is, this as it has been taught, is wonky. It's, it's a teaching of separatism, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. And so we're being taught something that, that is against what our hearts are telling us to be a truth. And then you come along and say, oh, well, here is the scripture that explains this in such a way. And we have those aha moments and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Now I understand. Whereas before... It, it didn't make sense to me at all. So I, I remember there being a very stark dichotomy uh, when I was growing up in the church that I grew up in. We went to church every Sunday. We went to Sunday school, then church. Then you got out, and you went somewhere and had big fancy lunch. And then you went home and sat and yeah. be miserable because you ate too much food. Well, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday school as a, as a kid was all about Jesus loves me, this I know, and... God is love, and look at the animals, and look at the, isn't it all wonderful, and Noah had an ark, and, you know, it's a big party, boat party. But if you have um, sex, you'll go to hell. I'm sorry. But I then, just... you, then you get up and go to the service, and you listen to the, to the pastor give his sermon about hellfire and damnation, and you're like, wait a minute, did I, it seemed to me when I was a kid, that was, the grown-up church was kind of a not-so-much-fun place, and didn't, you know, and it wasn't because I couldn't run around and play, I was... I was pretty able to sit still and pay attention when I was a kid. Odd that, but uh, perhaps. But it was like they were t telling two different stories. And it it seems to me now, after all these decades of exploration, that Jesus, Yeshua, uh, pick a pick a label, the Christ, that 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 the idea was look. I'm, how do you do, I'm doing it. This is how you do it. This is, do this. Follow my example. Far more so than, you know, take my words and chisel them into marble and make it forever thing. Um, it was, you know, me. But how do you do that? Me, I'm doing it. That's what? I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the 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 essence of Jesus teaching and 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 uh, he one of the things we've got to realize uh, about our western modern western understanding of of uh, faith um is that we're coming from a very different perspective to the perspective that Jesus and his disciples were, were coming from um and we've had I was just 
been reading a, a book called Blessings of the Cosmos uh, by a guy called uh, Neil Douglas Klotz, which is K-L-O-T-Z. And uh, it, this is a guy that, that um, uses the, the modern Aramaic translation of, of Scripture to, to really look at the words of Jesus, um, where it, it kind of misses out. We've got 2,000 years worth of uh, dualistic thinking through our wonderful uh, Greek philosophy, um, which has been a, a major influence to our society, and, and it, it's been a wonderful influence in some aspects, uh, and it's brought some incredible things for us. But it has uh, brought us this sense of, of, of separation and uh, a need for opposites, um, which the, the Hebraic thinking uh, still doesn't have, and, and Aramaic teaching still doesn't have, and the languages, Hebrew and, and Aramaic, they don't have. And obviously that's, that's the world that Jesus lived in, that's the world that his disciples were in, that's... You know that where he was teaching from, what he was teaching about, and so uh, yeah, we've 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 got to really look at what what was what was really being talked about at the time, um, and how he said it, and, and a lot of that is is to do with a, a rewiring of uh, a lot of things that we've been taught, because because like yourself, you know, Rick, I, I, I'm, I was brought up in a, a church that was um, pretty fundamental uh, in a lot of things, and. Uh, we, uh, my Sunday school days were mostly flannel graphs, so we had a, a lovely uh, white uh, Anglo-Saxon-looking Jesus walking along a very English-looking shoreline when he was supposed to be in Galilee. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, moving up to... Uh, Blonde hair, blue eyes, Brad Pitt, sort of. I, yeah, I think he just about had a bit of a tinge of brown in his hair, but you're pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, and then moved into the, to the other. I wasn't quite so good at sitting and listening. I was... I was uh, uh, a bit more of a fidgety child, but uh, similarly, you know, it wasn't necessarily hellfire and damnation all the time. But there was that sense of this is this is a real fear, and you've got to really do it right, and you know, really kind of discovering God has really got this very specific plan for your life, and and you've really got to find exactly what it is. And if you don't get it right, you're doing it all wrong, and you know, you're in serious trouble. And it really does put a great deal of pressure on us as as people, uh, and and that's really not how. Uh, Hebraic teaching in general works, and it's not how Jesus taught either. And, and like I said, Rick, you know, he, he really was. The, it's what the words "follow me" really mean. If it's if you if if you take it back to its its original language, uh, when Jesus said to his disciples, "Follow me," he the words he used was "lech acharai," uh, which is the the Hebrew, and it's a very traditional calling uh, that rabbis used when they saw uh, the potential in someone to be their disciple, and it was great honor to be called to be a disciple, uh, which is why, you know, Peter and Andrew and James and John just kind of dropped their family business at their father's feet and, and went off because it was such a great honor to be called. Um, and going into history uh, of, of the, 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 the context of their culture, the fact that they were with their father meant that they had previously been rejected by the rabbi who taught them from childhood. And the rabbi who taught them from childhood had said, you're, you're not good enough. Uh, to, to, to follow the ways of the rabbi, to, to, follow, to be with me as my disciple. So you go off and do your family business. So they'd already been rejected from, uh, from the rabbis. And then this other rabbi comes along and says those words. And Lech Achorai, although it's translated as follow me in the English language, it, it more literally means uh, walk in my ways. So, so it literally means kind of watch what I do, learn from me, and then, and then do it. Because the rabbi only called you to be his disciple, uh, then if he thought that you had the potential to be able to do what he does. And so actually, from that perspective, 
uh, flicking to a different part of, of the story, it made absolute sense in a disciple's mind, like Peter, to step out of the boat when he'd seen Jesus walking on water in the midst of it all. Because if his rabbi was doing it and he'd been called to be a disciple, he knew that his rabbi believed that he could do what his rabbi was doing. And so it was all just about looking at Jesus, watching Jesus and doing what he did. Uh, and that's, that's really the essence of, of the Christian faith, really. Uh, well, that's beautifully it, put. That's just so beautifully put because it, he did tell wonderful uh, parables and, and, yeah. and, and had yeah. many wonderful words that weren't even uh, recorded. I, I believe he probably yeah. liked to have long conversations about what's going on. Oh, absolutely. When he, when he wasn't off playing with kids, that is. Because yeah. uh, he really liked that. Uh, but it, it, it is tough even if we had a, uh, a, a video Really, you you and we talked about this the first time. I don't want to get too lost here, but you, you have to understand their whole society and what's going on, or it doesn't, yeah. you know, because somebody could talk about, well, it's like Saints fans, and you go, what? Well, New Orleans Saints, they like never win, and but their fans come every time, like no hope for the season, and their fans are there going, <laughs> tonight's the night. Uh, football people in America would understand. When you said it's, they're like Saints fans, they always show up, nobody would get that in, in, in Yeshua's time, and we would not get a lot of the significance of things that were said, uh, particularly when we're looking at this, uh, you know, some of these translations of the Bible, like the one I grew up with, the King James Version of the Bible. Heck, it's, not, it's archaic language that's hard to understand to start with. So, you know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I mean, you using your example, uh, talking about Saints fans, even even just uh, cross culturally in modern day, uh, it, it loses its 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 meaning because uh, coming from the south of England, living down in the south of England, um, one of our close cities. I live in the forest, but one of the, the cities that's close to us is uh, Southampton City, and uh, their soccer team. I use the word soccer because I know that you know I'm talking across the pond and you get confused if I say football. <laughs> football. <laughs> Uh, the Southampton soccer team, their their uh, their nickname is the Saints. So if you'd said that uh, without the kind of explanation of who the Saints are to you, that's immediately what uh, someone here would have thought of the Saints being Southampton Football Club soccer team. Uh, and they're actually not doing too bad in our you know in our soccer. Uh, so I understand. Don't really follow it, but you know they're, yeah. they're, they're not doing too bad. Either, so right. you know uh, it, even just in in our own time in our own life. Just the, the two different cultures. Uh, it has a whole different meaning. So Absolutely. no one would understand that. You know, if you'd say it's like a Saints fan, they, everyone would go, well, yeah, but they're doing all right. You know, we're going and, and you know, we're helping them along and they're doing well. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, when you're translating the Bible, you've got to remember it's not just words you're translating. It's culture and it's time and, you know, it's, it's the, the, the great deal of... Uh, indoctrination is a bit of a strong phrase, perhaps... Uh, social conditioning I use instead of yeah. doctrination social conditioning of understanding what it means yeah um, and one of the th- one of the other things uh, this like, like I say I, I've just uh, I've been reading this uh, Douglas Clark's book uh, today so and one of the things he, he, he puts up on particularly in he's done two or three of these kind of books um, is that in, in Aramaic and in, in Hebrew there's no sense of the dualistic thinking like there is in the Greek philosophy and so there's no need for for there to be opposites. And one of the great examples he uses is where um, the English translation through the 
the Greek uh, understanding would would need the opposites of good and bad or good and evil. Uh, whereas he says, you know, a better Aramaic understanding would would be the sense of ripe and unripe. So instead of having the opposites of good and evil, it's it's like ripe and unripe in a fruit, which in itself has a a whole different context because it, this is a you know ripe to unripe is or unripe to ripe is this is a process, uh, and it's moving from one to the other always, uh, and that's the sense of flow that and there is in, in that understanding it, and not divided off to it. Sorry, analogy. No, yeah. it's, it's just it's an interesting analogy because I'm visualizing the growth um, and the ripening of a fruit, and a fruit ripens uh, in direct collation with the amount of of light and warmth that it is provided with, mm. and so the analogy is so accurate. I can actually visualize that, and and. And that really is, it's, that's the human growth cycle. The more light and warmth and love that we're exposed to, yeah. uh, the, the more fruitful our growth becomes. And yeah. so it's brilliant. Well, and it's, it's, it, it becomes so pervasive. You know, I, I think it was in, in John, Jesus saying something, I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Mm-hmm. Well, if yeah. you look at that in the sense of the ripening fruit, you're the you're the ripening fruit. You're the branch. Um, yeah, it is then a process of growth and maturity, and um, and not some unknowable thing uh, or some cut and dried, black and white, good and evil. There's just not any evil there. There's either, you know, it's all the way finished or is a work in progress. Yeah, and and that's, that's it's one of the reasons why uh, in both of my books actually I, I I talk a lot about the or you know my first one's got a whole chapter on it. This one's got a section on uh, the ancient practice of lectio divina, which is it's, it's a Latin phrase, it just means sacred reading or holy reading, something like that. Uh, and, and it's it's about taking a a smaller section of scripture. And just reading it, and then rereading it, and rereading it, and really mulling over the words in that scripture, not thinking of any kind of doctrine or theology that you've got connected with these words, but just really looking at those words, uh, and then reflecting on on it, and, and allowing God to just dwell with you with the words, and and then just to speak to you about it, so that it really becomes something whole and living as part of your life rather than rather than just kind of reading a book and trying to think about what what kind of theology that might connect with and how you might be able to connect that with everyday life you know just dwelling with god over something allowing god to speak and then working out with him how how that really makes a difference to to your everyday life and it's such a great way of of, of using of using the bible just to to meditate upon it just to sit and, and be with it uh, you can get a whole whole host of, of meanings out of one little piece of, of writing, one little section uh, of a of a holy sacred text. Absolutely, it's yeah. one one of one of the forms of contemplative meditation that Absolutely. somebody yeah. might talk about in books or so, I don't know books. Yeah, someone should write a book on that. <laughs> somebody really should. <laughs> oh wait, you are somebody. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've never been somebody. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, 
it's um yep. always a, a a fascinating glimpse into a new way of understanding Christianity whenever you come to visit and just consider it to be such a gift absolutely because of the way that you explain everything it it makes it so attainable for everybody listening yeah, it's only because I've got a simple brain Nikki that's what it is you know got to make it simple so I can argue <laughs> simplistic but that that is I think that's probably been part of you know the root of some of this, you know, these big dogmas and doctrines and things that have been built around, but because really when you look at, when I look at the great books of spiritual teaching from almost anywhere, it, when you boil it down, it's really fairly simple. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how I read the, the words of Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it's incredibly deep truths put across in a very simplistic kind of way so that, that people can understand it. And it's not too complicated. We are very good at complicating things because we, we have this uh, unexplainable need to try and describe and explain everything. I'm sure it comes from our, uh, you know, the last couple of hundred years of the uh, Age of Enlightenment where everything has to be scientifically explained and, and understood. Whereas, yeah. in fact, you, know, you can't do that. You know, I heard this, this great phrase once that, that you know, there's a reason why you can't get your head around a lot of holy texts. It's because it's not written for your head, it's written for your heart, and you, you can't understand that always. Right. You can't, you can't take what it seems has almost been done to, to uh, Scripture by some, which is take a scientific and engineering approach. Of, yeah. Know, okay, well, here's the laws of physics, and over here we've got the laws of spirituality. And if, you know, if you violate this, then your spirit deviates and goes and you have this hell thing. And it, it really is not, it's not complicated enough probably, to be able to give a weekly sermon for 10 years <laughs> without repeating yourself a lot. And, and, um, uh, but I, I think the Age of Enlightenment and the Age of Reason had a lot to do with it because it, it seemed for a good while there that, that was, you could apply that, those separatists, find the steps, find the rules, and then you can manipulate it, was very successful in a lot of things. So, you know, I mean... We have we enjoy our computers and our Skype to talk across the pond. Yeah, which uh, without the age of enlightenment we wouldn't have. Wouldn't have any of that. But that doesn't necessarily follow. You know, it's not good logic that uh, that it would apply to everything. You know, yeah. I when I was a kid, I it, it seemed obvious to me that you know stuff like mechanics and this and that and the other applied really well to my bicycle, but it didn't have anything to do with my dog. Or me, yeah. or my parents. Yeah, and and if you if you try to uh, you know if you try to look after yourself or, or your dog in the same way as you might maintain a bicycle or something, then you, you're going to end up in all sorts of uh, difficulties. And you know, yeah. I mean, I found out at a very early age that you know certain approaches would would get the parent to release the cookie, uh, and, and and but sometimes you would try the exact same approach and it didn't work. And so, obviously, very quickly, you know, okay, that doesn't follow those kinds of rules. And uh, I don't, it, it's one of those things that's hard for me to get my mind around is, um, you know, to get back to a point where I sort of bought off. And I, but I was always, I always felt like I was posing and following a set of somethings, like playing a role or something. It, it, 
Uh, fake it till you make it? Yeah. These kinds of conversations lead more to, oh, this is something I can apply in my life. I'm feeling, I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling like I'm going to get angry. And let, let me pause for a second and let my mind settle. Uh, because I think for a lot of people in the modern world, it, they're amazed because they might not even be aware of just how much they're thinking about all the time mm. when they first start to try to be quiet inside. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. You got your to-do list for tomorrow, your five-year plan, your what? To, oh, that crap that happened yesterday. Oh, my God, I'll never survive. And, and, and all this stuff just going in there like a, I don't know, a hurricane. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that that uh, you know puts people off the, the concept of meditation in the first place is, well, I, you know, I've I've tried it and I can't I can't stop thinking I can't you know, the monkey mind the chattering, that's going on in, in inside your head and you can't stop it, um, but there are there are there are some fairly simple techniques to, uh, to help with that and in both of my books I have those those things there so. And it, but and it but it also to me in in, in my life it was in the, to some extent and a, a willingness to confront that all that storm was going on because it was like I didn't notice it so wait don't yeah. let me look at that that's not pretty <laughs> no that's right that's right I thought and, meditation and was supposed to be beautiful and nirvanas and things yeah yeah this is looking that point yeah. this is looking a little more like that hell thing people have been talking about because yeah. stuff is flying everywhere. And, yeah, and, and all that stuff that you've been hiding and brushing under the carpet and stuff. And once you stop, you're mixing metaphors here, but once you stop, uh, it all kind of bubbles up to the surface, and, and you've got to deal with that. And sometimes people don't don't like that either. But you know, it, it, it's it makes such a detriment to us as, as human beings, just as, as as beings in general, that uh, we try to hide some of the stuff that we really need to deal with by just busying ourselves because we just wear ourselves out. Our souls will become tired and if we don't do something about that then you know, we just we will well, we'll become like lots of people are in the world, kind of dead inside mm. uh, and really struggling with, with you know, more deeper things. I think a lot of, you know, like stress that they talk to me that's just your soul being tired, exhausted. You need a you need a yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just just like your your, your body, you know, when you, when you you need some time to stop and you need some or, or refill, you know, your stomach growls or you you just start to drop off or you get tired. We can listen to our bodies because it's much easier to listen to our bodies, you know, because we become hungry uh, or, or we become lethargic and we just can't do anything. But you know, and our souls, just like you said, they they respond in exactly the same way. Um, it's just people don't hear them quite so well because they don't literally shout like your stomach does when it's hungry. And yeah, stress, yeah. depression. Because I've noticed in, in, in our almost three years of work, and uh, you've been uh, a guest of ours and a friend of ours for much of that time, that sometimes there's days when we some idea's been rattling around and then finally it's like Nikki and I give birth to the idea. And it comes out and it starts to take a form and go. And we say, okay, that's great. And we've got this long list of stuff to do. Probably ought to just get started. But I'm exhausted. And, 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 and so I rest because I think that is an exhausting process. Um, mm. For your creative senses, your, you know, um, Nikki was talking about, you know, she warned all of us that work with her that she's got a chap some chapters she's going to write here shortly. And so if she disappears or says the writing hat is on, leave me alone. Um, 
she doesn't do that and then immediately jump in and make a video because it's too much. I've heard yeah. her try to do it. She's exhausted. Absolutely. Creatively. And, you know, maybe she could go run a mile, you think? Nikki, you could go get on well, your elliptical, but, oh, but yeah, your brain absolutely. is just, your, fact, your creative faculty is, like, tired, need a break. Yeah, in, in fact, it's it's actually beneficial to to my creative process to to jump on my elliptical and spend half an hour lost in music. Um, it, in fact, I use exercise as part of my meditation routine. Yeah. Uh, I've, yeah. I've managed to integrate that into one kind of it's what I do every morning when I get up it's it's a meditation for me I, but that's that's because focusing on the physicality of it it's like for anybody who's listening who's ever exercised or or lifted weights done resistance training there is a focus there so you're you're focused on the building of muscle or you're you're focused on the cardiovascular process. And so your mind stops the chatter. And so creatively that's that's the perfect that's a perfect example of of that ability to, to get rid of all that excess junk and allow what needs to come in, come in. I'm just driving. That's before I started exercising, I used to drive. I would get in the car and I would I would drive for three hours to random places yeah. and and just allow myself to to be in that space of just driving and after about 15 20 minutes half an hour the world would kind of go away except for the act of driving and that's when all the information would come in and and so that's kind of what I mean when I say I read his book and said oh my goodness I'm already doing this to yeah. some extent because that's Kind and of the process that he he talks about. That awareness is 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 what helped this be such a an easy entry point into meditation for me because we've talked about on the show before that, that you know when we first started we'd both be like yeah no we don't meditate we don't I don't know how to do that <laughs> and right. um, almost as if you know well you don't have to meditate and well you don't have to you can go insane. But um, we've tried that. We have T-shirts and stuff. <laughs> uh, coffee mugs, keychains, the whole thing. Absolutely. And and it it it's just such a different um, uh, you know look at it. We it's funny you mentioned driving. I used to I used to do that when I was young in Houston. We had Loop Six Ten. It went around the city, and of course now it's way in the middle of the city. And we had three more loops on <laughs> working our way out, but. But Loop 610 was a, was a highway. It was the only highway I was aware of at that time, driving, that went in a circle. And I'd just go get on it and start driving around in a circle, M- music playing, window cracked, you know, a little air blowing in my face, and, and do the exact same thing. But I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't have put a name to it, except, you know, no, I, I, I'd go that's, drive 610. That's it. And until I read David's book, I didn't, I, I, I didn't bridge the gap. And, and that's why we keep bringing them back because there are so many people out there who could benefit such a great deal by integrating these very simple practices into their daily living. And yet 
we, again, have these preconceived notions that it's so difficult, it's so hard, there's, you know, all this work that needs to be done in order to prepare our minds to be still. But that's not the case. The truth of the matter is, is that most creative people out there are already doing it, whether they're aware of it or not. Um, certainly my, my brother, in, in discussions with him, he's a robotics engineer, of all things, and in discussions with him about meditation and about connecting to the divine, the guy's never seen the inside of a church. Yet, he will expressively admit joyfully that when he is working on wiring or when he's creating a new board or when he's programming or, or one of the multiple things that he has to do, he zones in and in the process of zoning in to what he's doing, he literally allows himself to open up to what he calls just, he doesn't, he doesn't call it God, um, but he just says that the information is there. Whatever he needs to know in the moment to accomplish the task that he's, he's needing to accomplish, if he just allows himself to focus on the task and open himself up, then then all the answers he needs are are just given to there. him, mm. and They're and his there. hands just go. Yeah, it's like when I used to and, take standardized tests. Yeah. I couldn't remember it. I went into this strange zone and could answer questions on subjects I'd never studied with tremendous accuracy. Right. And um, because it's all in there somewhere. And yet we have we have all these labels for it: um, meditation, channeling prayer you know we, we call it all these different things yet it's all the same it's 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 simply a release and an allowing yeah of that of that universal conversation i, I guess that's why it's sometimes called the still quiet voice is because you have to be in a still quiet state sort of in the mind to hear it it's not that the voice is quiet when it, it knows Calculus, for crying out loud. Answered my calculus <laughs> test questions. I'd never studied calculus, so I don't know how that happened. But, um, but I do know how that happened. I was in a quote-unquote channeling state or meditative state or connected state. Um, it's, uh, it's odd that we don't ever see people talk about it. Uh, Daryl Anka has been over when he's in a quote, what he calls a channeling state. They've hooked him up to EEG and all that stuff. And, you know, is he in some kind of trance-like, hypnotic, meditative? No. His, all the centers of his brain are, that are active when he's just chatting with people are active, but they're like on steroids. Like they do that thing where it lights up, parts of your brain light up when they're active. The whole thing just gets like a, a bright light. And Yeah, it's like the receiver clicks yeah. on and... and you know, but it, it, you were on it, the edge it's of about the allowing. You were on the edge of the channel, and, and then all of a sudden when you can get into that space, it's like when you're in the car and you got that tuner, and, you know, a long time ago you're trying to find a station in the bush, and, and, and you get it just right, and all of a sudden, it, bang, it's in stereo, and you're just like, ah. It's like that. That's it. That's really, it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Well, we, we've reached our halfway mark, so it's time for a break. Uh, I don't know what... Uh, I don't know what, what what shall we play? Something, Earth, Earth Prayer again, or Firebird, or I don't know. We always have uh, Anthony Chalada. He's given us permission to play his music. Yes. We can play Rise. 
Let's play Talada. I uh, love his music. We, we love a Talada a lot. Uh, yeah, we do love a Talada a lot. So there's Awake, there's Rise, there's um, Never Ending. Mm, I like that. Yeah, let's have some Never Ending from Anthony Tolato. And uh, we'll be right back. So uh, enjoy the music and stick with us, folks.
All right. Welcome back, everybody. That's Anthony Talata. We hope you love him a lot, or like him a lot, enjoy him a lot, however you want to say it, because we <laughs> a lot of Talata. Besides, it's just fun yeah, to say that. If, it's if fun you guys didn't catch the show, you can find it on the archives at everydayconnection.me. It was a really fantastic conversation. So that's definitely one yeah, to look out for. Really, we've got a search that's in the upper right-hand corner of every page, and then on our main page, it's right on the right-hand side, right below the mailing list that you can sign up for, which is actually going to mm-hmm. get an email probably today. And uh, Exciting. We're getting sign-ups for your mailing list, so it's all very, very cool. But that's just almost not quite as cool as the conversation that we're, that we're having with uh, our dear friend David from over yonder. Uh, always expansive and illuminating conversations. Uh, that's why we love to have you back and love to have you do the the Celtic Corner in the mornings. Y'all be sure yeah. and catch that and or catch it on our YouTube channel because uh, those are some fascinating ones and the videos will be coming a little bit more steadily after the first one gets the thing. But then occasionally you do something and walk off and it just the whole video goes away. Poof. It happens. And, and, what can and I say? When it does, generally the motivation to sit right back down and do it again is somehow not there. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's true. Anyway, welcome back. I want to uh, just say thanks again for carving some time out because they're they're fantastic conversations. I'm you know. We all uh, live in the I, same town. I could see this happening on a regular basis. Cause absolutely. There'd be more coffee and cake there. Yeah, yeah. Or tea, tea in my cake. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> Easier to get up, walk up, walk off when you need to. But uh, uh, that's when I, yeah. I love my job. But it's, it's actually, it's actually a good thing, I think, that he's across the pond because we might not get as much done as we do. Yeah, we'd have to like have have microphones in the room and somebody else editing it because we'd never get anything done. Really, uh, I've thought about that when you know you and I were together in Costa Rica. We we got our shows done and all, but we had some great conversations and some great time just staring at at forest and because uh, mm. that can be that can be divine and uh, absolutely transcendent experiences outside in nature. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there, there. I had some grand ones there in Costa Rica because nature is so pervasive in that area. It's not mm. been subjected to much human control and grooming, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, so it's all and you, very. And you reference that in your your first book a lot, David. Do you, do you talk about it in your second book too? Because what's I that? Sorry, Nathan. Read it. Uh, the 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 chance to Being get out of nature. nature. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the, the the second book. The the chapters are slightly shorter than the, the first one. The second book is is more uh, things that you can kind of just pick up and meditate on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I have got a I say a whole chapter. You know, it's 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 fifteen twenty pages or something. Um, but just of of uh, nature meditations. So um, I've written just a few. Uh, some of them a bit more kind of mindfulness exercises, but things like sitting out and watching the sunrise or the sunset and uh, out with the full moon. Didn't didn't go for the blood moon, but, you know, the full moon, she's there. Um, 
and uh, ones for the uh, the solstices and the equinoxes and stuff like that. And uh, a few of the Celtic style prayers and, and meditations are based on on creation and nature as well. So yeah, I mean that, that's a big part of my spirituality is that connection with with nature and, and creation and and living in that sense of rhythm with it in the seasons and in the equinoxes and those sorts of things and the moons and stuff. So. Yeah, it's 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 in it's in the second book as well because it's just a big part of me, really. Yeah. It's one of the things that I find in in modern day Christianity that's not there, that's lacking, is the reference to the rhythms in nature and the connection to nature. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, it's it's there in 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 the Bible, uh, and it's there in you know. Uh, in everything, I know that it was an agricultural, it was an agrarian uh, society that, that, that Jesus and everyone was on. But uh, one of my my favourite uh, uh, bits of the Bible comes uh, from the Apostle Paul's uh, letter to the, the church in Rome. And there's a there's a version of the Bible called the Message, which is great uh, in some of its, its translations. And, and in this particular verse, um, Romans one verse twenty, where Paul talks about being able to see God in creation. Um, the message version of the Bible puts it like this. It says, uh, open your eyes, and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of God's divine being. And that's really what, uh, what meditation is in, 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 uh, in nature. Meditation on and in nature, it's really just, from a, from a Christian perspective, um, enabling you to to see the mystery of God's divine being in everything that surrounds you every day. And, and it doesn't even matter if you live in the, the, the middle of a dense urban area. You know, there's, there's always nature around you. There's always the sky and clouds above you, or stars and moon at night. There's always you know, some trees and birds and flowers somewhere that you can just stop and be mindful on and just do some contemplative sitting and dwelling and being and, and really just connecting with that sense of the divine within those things. And I think that's a really important part of, of every one of us. We, we need that connection because it, it's a part of who we are. We are part of that, that whole symbiotic relationship with, with the whole of, of the created order, with the whole of the cosmos. And we need to make sure that we, we connect with that. So it's in the Christian scripture. It's in the, you know, the Jewish, Christian, Judaic Christian scriptures. Uh, we, just, we just need to reconnect with it. And as you said, oh. it is such a vitally important... Oh, I'm here. Are you it here? Was, no, it was me, I think. It blinked off for a second, the little red light on the sky. But because but, I was going to talk about astronauts, and that maybe that was off topic. But it's something that I had the interesting fortune to live three doors down from an astronaut uh, when I was growing up. And um, so I saw him from time to time. And my father played golf with him from time to time, so I got the opportunity to talk with him. And the thing to him that was most striking about space, particularly when he went to the moon, was every time that you caught sight of Earth, there was this almost electric invigoration. And that as an engineer and test pilot, and uh, it was Alan Shepard, one of the original astronauts uh, in the Mercury 7 or whatever, um, and uh, our first man in space, everybody talks about John Glenn. He was the first to orbit the Earth, but they shot Alan Shepard up first to see if he was going to blow up. Uh, 
Um, because that's <laughs> well, that's kind of that's kind of job he did when he was flying planes. They put him in weird stuff and said, "Go see if you can fly that." He'd be like, "Yeah, okay, I'll try that." Um, and um, uh, had never really been uh, much for spirituality or church or you know, he was an engineer. He was one of those science people. You know, had kind of given up on that. You know, and uh, uh, he said it was palpable the disconnect but it was easy as just have catching glimpse of it that you it was like he said it was like uh like drinking or eating it was Mm -hmm. it was it it was filling with a uh, with a sense of aliveness and uh, uh that's why i'm not sure at least at this point in our evolution that we're going to spend a lot of time on bases on some other planet because we are of this place and that yeah. connection is so yeah uh can be so powerful i think for people uh you know go out in the trees or the moss or the birds or the bees just go go see and uh, uh yeah yeah i'm really connecting with that that with the nature around you yeah. i love walking i love walking barefoot you know, in the in the grass or, or anywhere natural like that, just to really kind of kind of get that that physical connection back. Doing mindfulness, contemplative walks, deliberate walking. Yeah, you know, in, in that sort of space. Like people yeah. that are walking, almost like people that are walking. Uh, what do you call those things? Mazes, things. Those what? labyrinths. Labyrinths. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a meditation, deliberate walking thing. Labyrinths. Yeah. To me. Yeah. And. Um, uh, but it, it, it really is for you science engineer geek types like me. Just go out there and sit in the trees. Don't go out there and try and figure out where you are or what species that is. Just sit down and yeah. look. And uh, and soon the, the moths will be playing in your ceiling fans and uh, you'll be surrounded with um, wonder and fascination. Yeah. Yeah, I, it works the same way. You know, the the, the Celts uh, use the terminology about the the book of Scripture and the book of creation, and these two books of God. And so you know, we talked uh, in the in the first part about that the lectio divina, uh, about kind of just dwelling in those spaces of Scripture, not looking at your theology or your doctrine, just just dwelling in that space. And this is exactly the same. You know, just being out there, just dwelling in that space, and and just absorbing that sense of the divine from from nature and creation. Uh, it's incredibly important for our souls uh, to do them you know, whatever label or even if you don't want to label it you know whatever you put on that sense of the transcendent within that we, we still need to do that we need to connect we just need to be with nature uh, yeah important stuff and like you said it doesn't take um i mean you don't have to remove yourself physically from a city center to do that no because it's really, it's all around. Yeah. It's easy yeah, just, access. Just, it's there. just sit and gaze out the office window at the sky, at a couple of birds flying past, at a treetop somewhere in the distance. Yeah, it's there. Or, or if you don't have that, even, you know, deliberately go and uh, put a plant or something on your desk. So you, you've got that to connect with. Just just something very simple, very easy. Yeah. I uh... Yeah, I, I don't do so well in any indoor space that doesn't have living plants. Kind of one yeah. of those things that 
I think it was the first thing you said. Part of my... I accidentally turned on my video. We almost never use video on Skype because we have three people on. You have to have a paid something. I don't know. Uh, but I answered with video one time, and, and uh, that was the first words out of your mouth were, oh, my God, we got to get some plants in there. Are you got any plants in there? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I spend all my time on the patio here is because I don't have any plants inside. It's kind of a dead, silly place in there. Yeah. But, but uh, soon... Perhaps, but we have lovely landscaping here, that, and, and and a fountain, which keeps the birds coming in rapid succession, from hummingbirds to great big pigeons. They uh, get in there and bathe and drink and think it's awesome, and I get lost in it often. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the the inner journey. That's chronicled in the book, or described in the book. This inner journey thing, this inner thing. Yeah, well, the, the inner journey really is, is uh, a, a reference to to that continual uh, pilgrimage that that we're on as we we just kind of carry on the journey of life. Um, uh, and, and I mentioned in the book, you know, it, we we may kind of begin it over and over again we may go oh, okay this time i'm going to focus on it this time i'm going to do it it's a continual journey and every aspect every experience that we have it's all a part of that journey and and you know i mentioned a little bit it's in this book but you know taking references from other places engaging in the sense of joys and blessings but also the the trials and, and, and difficult times that kind of the, the desert periods as well as the, the the wonderful periods the dark night of the soul as is uh some Christian mystics have, have termed it, as well as you know uh, the, the glorious bits. Um, so, uh, yeah, the inner journey is, is kind of uh, a guidebook, I suppose. Is, is, a, is a loose term for it. You know, meditation offers uh, moments of renewal, um, and uh, this 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 book. I use the illustration of uh, setting up camp. If you if you kind of if you're on a physical pilgrimage and you you've got a tent. Uh, and perhaps this little book is just something that might, if you're not used to it particularly, just help you know how to, uh, you know, set up your tent and where to put stuff and things. And then as you practice more and more, you you begin to uh, put your own self into it. So you find it easier because you've done it more more regularly, and, and you begin to put your own uh, uh, self in into that. Um, but it, the inner journey is is uh, is you know it's just the same as any other kind of journey, and, and you need to you need to have a a sense of you know what you're doing and 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 how you're going to progress one step at a time. Um, and meditation's kind of you know maybe rest spots on the way, but simultaneously being the path itself. Um, and as you make uh, meditation a regular part of of life. Um, you 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 will discover um you you you're not the the self that that others assume you are you're not defined by the roles you have and and what people think you are but that sense of the inner journey enables us to really uh grasp the concept of who we truly are our true selves and that kind of the deep inner sense of of who we really are um None of that kind of the, the the things that we project externally of who we think we should be, um, 
but you know meditation the travel along that inner journey the mystic path it's why both of them have that kind of concept of, of journey and pathways and that sort of thing the titles of them because that's really what it is uh, and so yeah so the, the first one the mystic path uh, was um, a bit more of a, an expansive kind of look at the concept of meditation with uh, a few practices and uh, things to meditate on in there and this one's the inner journey is kind of the opposite way around so there's more things to just be able to sit and uh, kind of read through uh, some mindfulness exercises like I said before some nature focused ones and a few short prayers here and there and some Lectio Divina um, but uh, with with a bit of um, context to, to, to kind of preparing. So if you just bought the second one, if you just bought Inner Journey, you'd still have a, a little explanation about um, this Christ-centered meditation and, and uh, kind of how to set a space to be able to develop your own expression of it. So, yeah, so that that's really a, a brief kind of explanation. Like the, <laughs> kind of like the physical, spiritual thing that inner journey and the outer journey aren't separate they're just all going on yeah absolutely yeah it's it's all happening all at the same time and it's all interwoven you're just you're just one holistic person yeah yeah to me that's such a relief you just have all these <laughs> right you know you had to be this little person over at work and you had to be this little person on your leisure time oh. but then on sunday you got to be yeah. this person and, and at yeah. least for a few hours and you know, before you practice your gluttony and laziness in front of the football screen, uh, whichever football that might be. And um, uh, and it was. It was a very dizzying, tiring thing, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's obviously, you know, appropriate ways of behaving in certain situations, but uh, it's, it's, it's the inner journey, not the book, but generally, you know, the, the actual inner journey that we all take is, is just about discovering um, who we truly are even though there's certain circumstances, you know, when you're in the office, you got to, you have to behave in, the, in a certain way. You can't, you know, sit around the desk in your underwear like you can at home watching the football. Uh, but you, you're still that same person. You know, you do, like you said, there's, there's probably the majority of, of the westernized culture will, will have compartmentalized selves. And, uh, you know, they'll, it's like pulling out a suit from a, from a wardrobe, uh, a closet. Exactly. You, you go, right, well, this is the person I am here, so I'll put this persona on here, and then I go here and I'll put this persona on. And, and you, you, I suppose most people just don't really even know who they are. Yeah. Um, and that I, I, can, can I spent, meditation helps us find that real person. I think it would have been an uh, in, incredible tool during... I worked in the offshore industry for almost a decade. So for two weeks, I was out in the middle of the ocean with a small group of people, and we're doing very challenging and creative things. I was fortunate to be on the leading edge of some stuff, and we were very mindful of safety at the time, and, and, and so it was a fun, safe pursuit. Um, but then I'd be home for two weeks, and then I'd go out for two weeks. And it literally became like my years were six months long, because after I was on the rig for a day or two, it was like I'd never left there. And the same was true when I was at home. After a day or two, it was like I'd never been offshore, like that was some distant memory and so it really was sort of like having multiple personality disorder. Yeah. Because you almost couldn't remember one life when you were on the other. It was very strange, but in retrospect, quite enlightening about, you know, it, it maybe is harder to notice when you just do that from nine to five. 
mm. or some shorter period of time and then get to go back to being yourself is take yourself everywhere. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah. There's a wonderful episode of uh, probably a fairly old uh, you know, sitcom now, Friends, with uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston and, uh, and, and all the rest of them in it, where uh, uh, now look, I'm going to stretch my memory back to how long ago it was now, 20 years ago or something we were watching it, um, where Chandler takes I, th- I think it's Monica, one of the uh, people from the from the group, to his work situation, to his work do, uh, and he 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 then has this this dilemma uh, of of who he's supposed to be, because he has his work persona and he has his his home with his friends persona, and and, and he has to put on this work persona, which his friends have never seen. Uh, and this, this whole episode is, is just kind of, you know, as far as I can remember, it's kind of about this conversation about who on earth are you here? You know, what, why are you being like that? Uh, and I think that, you know, it's, it's art imitating life, imitating art, etc. You know, it's the satirical look of actually, you know, everyone understands that concept. Everyone can, can, can get what's going on here because, you know, people in general have, have that dualistic life. Uh, and and it's, it is so soul draining to, to, to have to have it's exhausting. that. Exhausting. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Exhausting. And yeah. and you know, when you have to go through two or three of those in a day, you've got your parent persona, you've got your yeah. I'm alone yeah. persona, you've got your I'm at work persona, I'm in traffic yeah. it it leads till sometimes you get that uh, uh, I've bought me a rifle and I'm the mass murderer persona because it's that crazy to not know who you are and try to be all these different things. That yeah that often somebody else is defined for you anyway, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, so to deliberately put in a practice into life where you can discover that, that true self uh, so that, that it's, it's just a, uh, an expression of who you are. You just, you know, you're, you're behaving appropriately for your surroundings, but you're still that same person inside. Um, and for me, in my own personal you know, experience, in my life, in my practice, that's, that's really one of the big things that uh, that meditation and, and contemplative spirituality or contemplative life has really brought home to me is discovering that that sense of who i truly am and being that uh in in every every aspect of life yeah so, and i hope that that comes across in the books too it's that offering of authentic authenticity mm, really i yeah. mean that's what it yeah. it is at the heart of it um certainly before i started doing this for a living, my entire existence was compartmentalized. And yeah. looking back now, I would have to say that that's, that's the main reason that I was so physically ill for so long is because I was constantly running to keep up with these different expectations of these different personalities that I was, I was living and it, certain people would expect me to be a certain way and other people would be expect me to be another way and it, it, it got mm-hmm. to the point where you ever deviate it was their self-destructive. Own. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a self-destructive pattern, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you, get so, you get so busy and so filled with these roles that yourself, your you, that, as you like to put it, Nikki, uh, yes, you're you. Like never gets to come out and play, never gets to even breathe, and and that's that soul exhaustion, that that dead inside going through the motions. Um, you know, people that I have 
been and witnessed, you know, in the world. And it's a it's a sad thing because it's it's so easy, really, once you but you part of the meditation for me, uh, you know, continues to be things like that to let go of, you know. Because to some extent, they're also kind of, for me anyway, they became like defense mechanisms. Nobody could ever really hurt me because nobody ever really saw me, <laughs> you know. Exactly. I was just thinking that. It's it's this protective shield that we put up. Uh, certainly, you know, it was it was eye-opening for many people in my world a few years back to discover that I was a writer, to discover that I was an artist. They had absolutely no idea, yet they worked with me eight to nine hours a day. But for me to say, okay, I've written this book, what? Who are you to you write, write a book? Well, I'm, you, I'm a writer. You read? You, what, do you, you know. what do you mean you're a writer? Well, I've, I've always been a writer. I've been a writer since I was a little girl. But for whatever reason, I had decided that that was a private part of who I was and that needed to be hidden from the world because... Through my writing, I express a great deal of vulnerability. And so for the longest time, I simply kept that away from the people that I worked with. And and even close friends. Many of my close friends had no idea. And it was it was a defense mechanism, like you said. You can't hurt me because you can't see me. Yeah, you can absolutely destroy the me that's the, you know, bartender at the place you can just yeah, absolutely shred persona. that person and, and i just i'll go, go make it. another one you know i'll go get another job and yep. i'll be you know rick at that place and um exactly because uh, i went i was very socially awkward but i wasn't if i was working a job because i was somebody i was the right. bartender i was the cashier i was the the bank guy um and all of those sort of came with, these are what everybody expects, and so I, now I know what to do, that I'll be accepted. Whereas when it was just me, there is, there's that naked vulnerability. But on the other side of that sort of fear of that is this incredible strength and, uh, and abilities to still have roles like that. Like, like you said, David, that you... You know, you go to a certain job, you've got to behave a certain way, you've got to do certain things. You, you know, uh, you don't want to drop into a daydream while you're performing surgery. It's probably not a good idea. But, but the fact that as well as a surgeon, you're also a sculptor or a writer or a sportsman or a whatever it is and, and bring that everywhere instead of having these little robots because... My me uh, is really rich and and multidimensional and just yummy. And those roles, those personas are empty husks that, you know, I can slip on, like you said, like a jacket or, a, a you know, an outfit from the closet. Put on my little uniform and I'm... I'm offshore man. You know? <laughs> I wore coveralls out there. I never wore coveralls at home, yeah. but they're insanely comfortable. I love them. They don't pinch on you anywhere. They got all kinds of little packets, pockets for my gadgets. You don't need a pocket protector. <laughs> but I never wore them at home, ever. 
Yeah, and, uh, that 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 little that little kind of uh, slip into that kind of almost a superhero thing there. You know, I'm offshore man, whatever. Uh, that that really kind of brings a whole sense about it because if you think of something like someone like Superman, who has these deliberate two personas because he has to be deliberately different, you have that sense of of that that uh, separate identity and and that even just bringing out of that kind of comic book idea, it's a it's a secret identity. This is who I truly am. You know, he's, he truly he's Superman. That's who he really is. But then he has to have this secret identity that he has to keep up uh, with, so that people don't realize who he really is. And, and some of us have that that that's you know that that's a who secret he is identity is, is strong and powerful and might yeah. scare them away. And and, yeah. and and some of us might have it because we think that who we are is actually really really weak and really vulnerable, and and, and we don't want anybody to hurt us. And, and and so we put on this this other identity to pretend that we are someone. And sometimes we can be given that by other people. You know, we can, we can we can take on the the personality or the, or the person that that, that uh, we think we should be, um, because other people have told us that's that's who we are. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, no, we're not we're not defined by uh, anything but but our true selves, our, our post at work, our position at home, our you know the roles we play here, there, and everywhere. Uh, it's it's really it's really about discovering your true self and, and being that inappropriate expressions. But it's still you. Yeah. That's why Nikki and I, neither yeah. one, have trained our radio voices. Because we don't come be radio peeps. We just, this is, <laughs> if, if, really, folks, if, uh. if, if Nikki and David came to visit here in Phoenix, we'd be sitting out on the patio, we'd be talking just exactly like this. Because yeah. It yeah, is. Right. It is who it, it, it is who we are, and oddly enough, at the very beginning of doing this work together with uh, with Nikki, I I didn't bring that everywhere, and so it was. It was very. If we had times we didn't do a show for whatever reason, that it was like I missed me, and 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 then I sort of just discovered through the path that me can me can be me's always here, you know. Yeah. And, um, uh, right. Well, that ties into the whole reason we're relaunching the book, right? Because when I first wrote Truth, I wrote it as a fiction and I wrote it in, in, under a pen name because I was terrified of my me. Yeah. And what would people and, think? And it's taken three years of really intense work at looking in the mirror. And when I say intense, I don't mean it was hard and difficult. I mean, it was just, that's what I've done for three years. This show, these, these expansive conversations are the gift that the universe has provided me with. that will allow me to step into the true power of who I am, which is who I was to begin with. I just wasn't willing to admit it. And so, the best compliment ever that Richard and I have ever gotten is you guys are so unprofessional. Well, thank you. Yes. (laughs) We work very hard at that. Um, It's, if I can't come on here and be myself, if I can't come on here and I mean, we've had guests who have cried on the show. I've cried on the show. Uh, if, If I can't come on here and, and openly bear all of me to the people listening, then what is the point of me doing this for a living? 
that would just be me putting on another mask. And I, I don't want to live my life that way anymore. And I don't think that anybody should have to live their lives that way. So we come on here and we come and be authentic and ourselves and good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, and whatever comes out, whatever is, that's what people see. And in our sharing of that, it allows them to see that it's okay, that it's safe to do that. Because we've been doing it for three years and we're still here. Still here. Nobody's hurt us or damaged us. In fact, all we've, all we've gotten out of this is more growth and expansion. And healing. Physical, yeah, absolutely. Physical, mental, and emotional healing. Oh, that, yeah. That, at least for me, was never found in many years of, uh, because of, you know, my, my family. If there was some malady wrong with me, the most, one of the most powerful specialists in the country was available, you know. We'll go see this uh-huh. kind of doctor and that kind of special guy and this what over here and talk. Write a check. We'll fix it. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Really? And um, uh, and it, so there's been more growth, expansion, and particularly healing in, in these three years than in the 45 years that preceded them, or 47 or 48 or, or some years, really. And... Um, It, it, That's it, a gift of showing up for life. Yeah, it's, we've been infinitely here blessed. I am. You know, it's not just that we show up naked and, and, and be vulnerable. Our guests do too. We have been infinitely blessed with amazing beings to come visit. Uh, David being one. Uh, somebody got this geekoid science freak to actually meditate and say that's what he was doing and recognize that's what he was doing and the benefits of it. That's, this guy's got the talent. Pick up the book. Yeah, it's a miracle, <laughs> <you>. really. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nikki's up there going, oh, thank goodness. He's going to go sit in the corner and stare out the window for a minute. Miracle happens <laughs> um, That's how I got sucked in. You know, I was going to, you know, 20, 30 minutes, I was going to watch the eclipse proceed and then go to bed. And I arra- rearranged my chair so I could put my feet up on the little railing. I could sit right here on the patio and see it. Just perfect. Mm. And, and... So I started looking at the moon and thinking about the moon and looking at the moon and it had been an hour and a half. But I felt really good. So, you know, and I felt good when I woke up this morning. A little groggy, but, you know, a little coughing and snorting right before the show. It's pointed out to me. But, but it's very, um, well, healing is the word I would use. Unifying. Uh, what a concept. There's just one me. But I can have fun playing all kinds of roles. We're really all like actors in Hollywood. We, you know, ooh, look at that. You know, over there, offshore guy. Out on the ocean. and That'd be cool. Let's do that for a little while. You know? It's one reason people don't have lifelong careers anymore. You know, talk about that all the time. Generation X, they don't, they change all the time. Well, yeah. <laughs> take a look at take a look around while you're doing that nature thing. See how much sits perfectly still and never changes. It always changes, but then it's always but it's always there too. So it's it's an amazing it's an amazing journey and and whether you call it inner or spiritual journey or my path or 
my passion or my purpose or or my porpoise, if you wish. Um, I don't know why you would do that, but it's a fun thing. It just jumps in the air. But um, it is, uh, well, it's the best adventure going, right? It's the e-ticket ride, e for earth, e for excellent, e for expansive, e for evolutionary, e-ticket ride. That used to be the best thing at Disney World. I don't know what it is now. I'm going to Disney World. Oh. <laughs> has, has, do you remember, David, when you, when you lived that way? I mean, did you ever live that way? Because I've never known you to be any other way than you are now. And I'm just, just curious. Yeah, I mean, of course, as I, as I, as I grew up and, and uh, you know, lived, lived in, in life like everybody else, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's I was the same as everyone else, and and then I, I kind of realised that this isn't this isn't really helpful to to me or to anybody else. So yeah, I I, I had to start from somewhere. So I don't know if, if you'd known me twenty twenty five years ago, then yeah, that that was me. I was this person here, and I was that person there, and uh, not not dealing with the stuff that really needed dealing with within myself, and and really found it wasn't wasn't helpful. So. You know, well, and started myself to go on. Sorry, Rick. Oh, I'm sorry. That's but that's the the stumbling block for folks, right? It's because it's kind of that ignorance is bliss thing. You know, you don't have to look at that internal. Yeah, uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Struggle or, or or discord or disharmony that's going on. You just you know, today I'm at work. So I'm I'm yeah. bank I'm banker man or baker man or candlestick maker, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that, that part of it, I suppose, was was because um, I started to work full time in kind of uh, the spiritual context of life. I started working you know, twenty twenty five years ago, working with with churches as a youth worker, and and I really started to realise that actually this is it's all kind of interwoven. That 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 first dawning realisation that everything is spiritual came upon me then, although I didn't have that phrase in my in my vocabulary at the time um and so i started to to, to look into this this concept and uh, found that sense of contemplative spirituality and what that brought out and, and reading you know various different people anthony de mello and, and uh, thomas merton and, and other kind of uh, ancient mystics meister eckhart people like that as well as um celtic christianity and their contemplative spirituality which which was about the everyday it wasn't about hiding away somewhere and, and, and being kind of holy in a monastery or on a rock somewhere. But it was it was being still and quiet in those places, but but because it was part of that every day and, it, and then they engaged with life through that. And so yeah, so so that was really the the start of a, a slow and long long journey of of my own and uh, discovering um as uh, another uh, great writer, a guy called Richard Rohr, a Franciscan uh, priest, says, you know, it's, it's about discovering the true self uh, and, and discovering the false self and, and which is which and, and, and uh, deciphering who you really are within that. Because I think within each of us and all the different personas we've been talking about, there's always, in every part of us, there's always an element of our true self um, because our personality still comes out in, in, in one sense. Uh, we still express our own the situations we're in and the roles we're in. We still have that sense of expression within us. Um, some cases it's, it's more suppressed than others, 
Um, but it's yes, it's a continual journey to discover who that true self is. And it's always a continual journey because you're always changing, you're always transitioning, you're always growing, you're always maturing. Uh, like, like Rick said, you know, about the seasons and the, and the earth, it's always changing, it's all organic and so are we. Uh, so it's always a continual inner journey to discover that true self because um, it's, it's always someone different. Uh, so yeah, so it, it's 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 been a journey, but yeah, Nikki, to answer your question, if you'd known me 25 years ago, um, yeah, that that I, I would have been like that. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the 25 years, 20 to 25 years, because it also is encouraging for people listening to know that this it's not expected that this is going to be an overnight jaunt into <laughs> yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like you're not going to wake up tomorrow and go, okay, today I'm going to be authentically me. I, I suppose <laughs> you could. I mean, if you really wanted to, because that's kind of how how this whole living in physicality works. Once you have made a choice, then you you can make that manifest in physicality immediately. It's the same thing with healing. You know, I mean, that's where we get back to those those miracles that you want to call them. That yeah. that Jesus, you know, was was showing people how to do was it. I say it so. You trust me and have faith in my word, and so you also believe that it is so. So when I tell you to get up and walk, you will get up and walk because you know. It's the knowing. It's about the knowing that you have the power to do it. And in, in the case of the, the Jesus miracles, it was in the knowing that he had the power to assist you to do it. So like you said, walking on water, turning water into wine, um, you know, healing the blind, healing the lame. Those were examples of, of that knowing. And, and that can be done today by every man, woman, and child living on the planet. But until you can manage to get into that state of knowing that that is, in fact, a universal truth and you do have that kind of power, it's going to take time. There's going to be transitions. There's going to be exploration. But to be quite honest, I think that the whole point of being here is the journey. I think it's about the expansion. I think it's about the exploration. I think it's about the experience. Yeah, and, and like you said, I think that, that it, it can happen quickly, uh, but just like the miracles of Jesus, they were the they were the out of the ordinary examples, uh, and, and in 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 general, uh, the journey is much slower, much much more uh, organic, as it were. Um, and I think that there's, there's a slight difference as well between uh, making that deliberate conscious effort. Uh, or choice to to not be the false self, uh, and, and a slight difference between deliberately being the true self. Because I think most people, when they first start, they can make that deliberate choice to say, "Well, I, I, I'm I'm going to not be this false self or these multiple personalities anymore." But they can't necessarily be their true self because actually, at that point, they just don't know who that is. Uh, so there's, I think there's, there's, a, there's a, a subtle difference between choosing to not be the false self. And discovering who your true self is, because I think that's always a process, unless unless the divine does something incredibly miraculous and suddenly you, you're completely aware and enlightened uh, the first moment you start it, which is uh, I, I've never known that happen. But um, hey, well, anything's but it, possible. 
But my argument is it's possible. My argument is, yeah, yeah, is that yeah, there, is, there is there is the possibility there for that that close a connection to the divine for it to be Absolutely. instantaneous. And, and I, I think that that uh, the, when we make that choice, I think if if we deliberately release the stuff, if we live in that sense of detachment of our inner selves and all the rest of the things that, that go with that, I think that there is, again, from my own personal experience, when you deliberately do that, there's a sense of exponential growth rather than just normal progressive growth. That actually, divine, yourself, whatever, you know, what the combination might be, it brings that speed to it. Uh, that you kind of, there's an exponential type of growth. That, that when you take a step, then the divine takes a step as well. So there's actually a, 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 a double movement going on. We're two-stepping our way back home. Two-stepping oh. our way back home. Yeah, sorry, no, is that a time to break into tunes? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Everyday Connection, the musical. there for a minute, right? <laughs> I'd like to see that. But, um, but no, it's so, it, it's so very true. It, 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 even if there was some uh, instantaneous manifestation of that connection, there would still, from that moment forward, be growth and evolution. It does, oh, there's not a des- yeah, yeah. there's Never not a stopped. destination somewhere. Yeah, that no, there's no end finished. point. That's absolutely, absolutely. That's, there's no end point. That's dead. There's no oh, we're there. Yeah, <laughs> it's dead. Yeah. No, it's and, not and there is no dead. dead. It's what, no, but it's, it's not, dead the way dead. some people think about it. It's not croaking. Okay, yeah. It's not croaking. There, Croaking's just going through a door, but uh, and it. It's one of those self-opening doors, like at the grocery store. Really, it's no effort involved. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. I think, and it's also this, this sense of uh, we've been. It's kind of alluding in, in, into it, you know, uh, all through the, the whole conversation we've had over the last couple of hours. But the sense that what we have is, or what we need, it's it's already there. It's it's within us. That sense of everything we have and we need is in there, um, and that that sense of, of, of awakening and lightening kind of you know it's 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 discovering something that we realize we've already had that we've already got um it's, it's like you know looking for something uh searching for something all over the place and then, then realizing it's, it's in your pocket uh it's, it's that kind of thing you know it's it's, it's all there within us um, that the sense of divine you know i've, uh, I've got a, a screensaver of a few pictures that flick past and one of them says god is a frequency within you tune in uh, and, and so it's, it's all kind of there, and, and making that connection is, is what it's all about. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Tune in, so, turn on, and drop out. Yeah, we don't have yeah. to drop out. We can drop in. Yeah. What, which, you know, we're getting close to that time that we have to thank you for dropping in and all of that. That's quite um, right. Can I can I just uh, just uh, just mention briefly, just very quickly, that uh, it's Adam Caro books that have. Uh, I want you published to mention this. less than briefly. I was going to say where <laughs> where can yeah. people find you online and find more about uh, what's going on and maybe have expansive conversations of their own. Yeah, well, um, like I said, both books published by uh, Adam Caro Books, uh, lovely little publishing company, and I think it's like a family. It's really uh, beautiful uh, relationship we have. So that's. Uh, anamkarabooks.com which is A-N-A-M-C-H-A-R-A books.com that's uh, the publishing house and you can get the books online there or uh, you can you can find out a bit more about my first book uh, at uh, mysticpath.anamkarabooks.com uh, or you know search it out on, on, on Facebook and I'm sure there'll be a connection on 
the Everyday Connection website and Facebook page, etc. as well. So Absolutely. We'll uh we'll have on the archive all of the uh uh or several of the ways that you can reach David. Mm-hmm. And um uh, uh because you enjoy these expansive conversations and things. That's being an explorer. Absolutely. I love chatting with you guys. It's, it's fantastic. And, and I'm privileged to, to, to you know, this is, this is part of what I do for, for a living as well. So I have these kind of conversations with numerous people, and it's just, it's just wonderful. So, so nourishing for my soul to be able to do this sort of stuff. Awesome. Well, again, yeah, we're all pretty lucky. Yeah. Me, thanks. I love my job. Mm. Yeah, this is what we do for a living. How cool is that? You want to talk about miracles? There's there's one right there. There's one right there if you need one, Uh, (laughs) y'all. So thanks again, and and, uh, everybody get by everydayconnection.me because we, like I said, we'll have all those links there, and we got the great search box up there. You can search by people's name. You can, uh, you know, we had a whole conversation with Anthony Tolado, like we mentioned earlier. So check those out. It's uh, it's quite a resource now. So I'm getting on towards 300 hours or something, huh? Or getting on towards 400 yeah. hours, really? I think. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. We 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 talk a lot. So uh, <laughs> anyway, join us on our morning show where you can hear the Celtic Corner, uh, along with some other great uh, correspondents that we have the honor to work with, and uh, and be listening for more conversations like this on Everyday Connection now. But until then, to our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected. Have a great now, everybody. Join Jean and Rick again next time. Until then visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee. You can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.